0: We don't have to tell them what they, what they should do, but rather we will would, would figure this out together. Welcome to
1: Tech Talks, the podcast brought to you by Nash Squared and hosted by myself, David Savage, that's been bringing you the latest thinking from technology leaders for over eight years. Joining me on today's podcast, we've got Amber. How are you?
2: I'm good, Dave. Yeah, good, thanks. How are
1: you? Yeah, good, good. You're running the marathon in April. I am. Is it May. It is April. It's April, isn't it? It is
2: April. Yeah, and it actually sounds really scary because I think it was only the other day I kind of sat down and it hit me that that's not very far away. So <laughs> I kind of panicked. So yeah, you're just kind of echoing that. So um, yeah, countdown begins, Dave. We'll go for a run tomorrow what? as well. So I saw what,
1: you, you. You were still in. Were you in Spain last week?
2: I was. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I noticed on Strava that you were you were getting some some miles in.
2: I was I always like to go for a run whilst I'm on holiday, which sounds really weird to some people, but I nope. just thought you could just get really good like scenery that you wouldn't get when you're back home. So take a advantage of it. Um so yeah, it was on Strava. I put some pictures on there as well, Dave, and I saw that you uh oh, nice. gave me gave me some kudos. So thank you very much.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Bit of a trailer as well for what's coming up on the podcast in the next few weeks. Guess who we're talking to next Monday? So we'll be on the show probably later this month. Oh. Uh...
2: Strava, absolutely. Oh. <laughs> oh, I was thinking, I was like, "Oh, uh, is this a trick question?"
1: <laughs> no. no, no. Strava themselves are going to be on on the oh. podcast to talk about the data behind a year in sports. So, I think you might want to record that one with me. Yeah, right? Yeah,
2: I will be here, be here for that one one, hundred percent. That sounds great. <laughs> yeah, don't get queasy yeah, so, for uh, that one, please. I'll be I'll be putting my name down. <laughs>
1: Thank you anyway, uh, everyone, for tuning in today. Today we have got something not running related, don't worry. We're actually going to be talking about fintech. Uh, we're going to take a trip to Germany for the first part of the show. And then later on in the show, we're going to be heading over to New York to talk about a community financing scheme. First of all, we're going to hand over to our interview with co-founder and co-CEO of Mondu, Malt Huffman. So today I'm joined by Malta, the co-founder and co-CEO of German fintech Mondu. How are you today?
0: I'm great. Thank you, Dave.
1: Thanks for having me. I mean, I've said German fintech Mondu. Is that fair? Or You're kind of you're growing beyond Germany's borders quite rapidly, right?
0: That's correct. We originally founded the business uh, in Berlin, um, and our first market was Germany. But uh, we are already present in Austria as well as the Netherlands, and we will be expanding also into other geographies over the coming months.
1: So before we get into anything else, and find out a little bit about you yourself, um, tell us who Mondu are and what Mondu do.
0: Yeah, so with Mondu, we set out to really drive innovation in the B two B payment space, um, and uh, we really feel that uh, a lot of innovation uh, has happened over the last years in payments, but most of it was actually focused on the B two C side. So consumers today are enjoying amazing payment experiences, and I think. You know buying something uh, especially on the internet sometimes is really a joyful experience and we really want to bring that also to the b2b world and uh, and make payments really joyful uh, for for businesses when they buy something online especially but also in the in the offline context
1: Can 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 payments really be
0: joyful for organizations I think um, you really have to aim high right uh, yeah. and uh, paying something is Paying for something, and this is actually uh, quite interesting, right? There's this theory around the pain of pain. Um, When human beings, when they buy something or pay for something, they're mentally discounted uh, and therefore, you know, feel sort of a pain. Um, And the more, let's say, seamless the payment experience, the lower the pain level. Um, And that's why we really aim at uh, making payments, uh, hopefully joyful, (laughs) to to really lower the pain of pain. And the business, it's
1: not been around too long. You, you've had a lot of success in quite a short period of time, right? You, you, only, you only launched last year.
0: Yeah, that's correct. So we, um, we launched a business last year um, in September. Um, we then had um, uh, really our seed finan- uh, financing round um, with, with our seed financing investors and we've been building the business ever since. Um, we were lucky to team up with our third co-founder very quickly, uh, Gil, who's uh, also a technical co-founder and and CTO of the company. And uh, with him, we were able to build the product really, really quickly and uh, were able to also go live already uh, in the beginning of this year. Uh, And since then, we're live, uh, we're we're in the market, and uh, we've seen great traction also with, with customers.
1: Now, prior to this, you spent quite a long time overseas.
0: That's true. Uh, I'm German, obviously, um, and uh, I, I also grew up in Germany. I had a few stints in uh, in other uh, countries like the US during my high school years and uh, and also I started in France, but um, I was really also starting my career in Germany. But after um, having teamed up with my co-founder, you know, with uh, Philip, um, we've been working together for the last uh, 13 years now, um, so we we first teamed up to to build a business uh, in Berlin called uh, My Brands. Um, There was a fashion e-commerce business in in the off-price segment. We sold that company to Zalando back in 2010. And then we decided actually to go to Brazil um, to build a fashion e-commerce business there. Um, And why Brazil? It's really because on the one hand, obviously, my co-founder, even though he grew up in Germany, he's actually Brazilian. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, he was traveling back and forth and uh, also for holidays in 2010. Uh, everybody was talking about BRICS, yeah? and uh, the BR of BRICS is Brazil. And so, uh, macroeconomically speaking, uh, Brazil was really at, a, at the high um, or at the peak. Um, and, uh, yeah, back then we were 27 years old, so we went completely cyclically to Brazil. Uh, macroeconomically speaking, afterwards, it was rather downhill. Um, but we still um, you know, managed to actually build a very cool business there, um, which became... Uh, which was called Afichi and became uh, the market leader in fashion uh, uh, and lifestyle e-commerce in South America with operations in Brazil, Argentina, Chile and Colombia. Um, And uh, yeah, we were able to build that business also because uh, obviously a lot of tailwinds, uh, you know, more and more people wanted to buy online and we were able to, to service them in a really good way.
1: So as a serial entrepreneur, who obviously is passionate about building businesses, and I suppose that in part is an answer to the next question, but when you've built a market leader, what's the appetite to go back and do it again from scratch?
0: Yeah, I think it's an excellent question. Um, obviously, I think um, you know Dafiti um, eventually went public on the Frankfurt Stock Exchange in 2019 via the Global Fashion Group, um, and it was obviously a very meaningful business. Um, we had 3,500 employees in you know across South America, so. Um, to, to then uh, build yet another business is obviously to a certain extent um, a stretch because you want to obviously build a meaningful business again, right? Um, but we really felt that, uh, especially in B2B payments, there was just a lot of things to do. Uh, and we felt uh, compelled to, to tackle that uh, that topic. At, um, but it's really what we felt is that also on the one hand, we had learned so much over the last years in in, in building you know that second business, especially da uh, Fiji which uh, and we also at the same time made millions of mistakes that you know hopefully we would have we will have learned from and uh, we would then be able to yeah build maybe an even more successful business uh third time around
1: and you say that you referenced you made some mistakes, I think those mistakes are obviously the the, the things that you learn from most, and sharing those are, are always kind of you know treasure trove for people but what what are the mistakes that you made that you kind of go ah, that we'd avoid that is something that i would flag to would-be entrepreneurs as something that they should really try and avoid
0: yeah luckily um, in the end we made um, lots of mistakes but we also did uh, a few good things that's why in the end the business uh, survived and became uh, became a solid company um, but i think um, you obviously learn a lot of things, right? Um, uh, and I think it's it's about um, first the most important thing, and I think that's what we applied now in, in this business, uh, Gray, from from start, is really really focus on on the people that you want to have on the on the bus, right? Um, uh, really make sure that that everybody that you hire and you want to make part of your team has, has really the right mindset, the, the, the exactly same right mindset. Of wanting to build something, be really entrepreneurial as well, um, and uh, and maybe you know even uh, um, uh, that was one of the things that uh, um, yeah uh, that we stressed the most uh, really to, to to really focus on that on that uh, on that team um, and we were I think now looking at, at the team at mondo we were we are really lucky to have really an extremely talented team on board now. Uh, because it's really what they say, right? First the who, then the what, right? If you have the right people on the bus, you will figure anything out, really, right? Uh, um, the strategy then comes uh, by itself and, uh, and and you learn every day anyway. And how many people are you in Mondu at the minute? So we are uh, 130 people now. And it's remote first, right? It's remote first, exactly. So we are based in, in Germany. We have offices uh, in Berlin um, uh, and also in Amsterdam. Um uh but uh, we are remote first in the sense that uh you know nobody has to come to the office um and uh, can work really from from uh, from different locations
1: how different is that from your last business different different geography obviously but 2010 starting building in brazil pre-pandemic the idea of yeah. coronavirus you know feels like it would have been nonsense and and now building a business in western europe um, post lockdowns post restrictions post all of those learnings hybrid environments as you say remote
0: first how different has that been yeah i think it's a that's a really good question i think um obviously and maybe i go back to to what we first uh learned also uh, you know when we first went into the pandemic and that was still with the fiji right i mean we had 3500 people you know lots of people in the in in the office yes but even more people in the warehouse and in the, in, the, in the call center and customer service, et cetera. We've learned is that actually you could switch to, to remote really quickly or more quickly than we actually originally had thought. We also learned very quickly that we were able to actually work efficiently, but after some time, you know, we also felt that um, these random encounters, right. And these, um, uh, you know, this, this, these informal meetings were really missing. And now, when we think about, um, you know, how we build Mondo, we said we really want to be remote first. On the one hand, because um, you know some people just want to work from different locations; they don't all, all want to be in Berlin. Um, at the same time, we want to combine that also with with. You know, with the fact that yes, we do have an office that we can create encounters. We really, you know, just tomorrow basically, we have our year and party, and we really want to come have, have people come together. You know, I, I mentioned this earlier, right? You know, pre-talk. Uh, I just these two days, I have a lot of meetings with different people just to connect again, and um, and that's I think what's what makes it different. Out of interest. Um
1: culturally you know one one of your workforces would have been predominantly latin american one is is german um how big an impact is that on culture or is actually the values i mean i assume that there'll be there'll be a large amount that is dictated by the way that people just view employee employee relationships even though that's changed versus necessarily the values that you can impose as a leadership team
0: yeah so um Working in Latin America is obviously it's, it's very different. Um, I think we were really lucky with the Fiji to have a really passionate team um, that were incredibly curious, incredibly creative, and also um, very, very committed. You do have obviously a different mindset on certain topics, right? Um, um, it's, it's a cultural topic around how you communicate how um, how you give feedback, how you exchange ideas, etc. That's uh, that's very different. You know, it's uh, we just had the session here at, at Mondo as well, and how you give feedback in you know it's, it's, there's uh, nations where there's low context and there's a lot of context that you have to get, and so so that was all different. But I think my learning was really now having worked in different uh, countries and even like within Latin America. I think you know Brazil is very different from Argentina, from Colombia, from Chile. They really have different cultures. And um, I think one of the big learnings was that if you really pick the right people that have the right mindset in terms of wanting to build something, being entrepreneurs, um, uh, you can can build, I think, your culture really for your company uh, in 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 every country, even though some nuances may be different and people may react to different things a little bit differently. But I think in the end, it's really about I think the founder to set the tone, build the culture, and and hire accordingly.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, look, coming back to to, to your core business, the B two B payment opportunity would appear to be to be quite large, right? You know, there be I, I think people are familiar with buy now, pay later when it comes to B two C propositions, but you're applying it to B two B. Yeah,
0: I think. Um, really when you think about it, um, by an appellator, uh, in B2B is very different from, from by an in B2C. And I think it all points down to the fact that when businesses transact, they do that typically with net terms, right? So company A buys something of company B gets, you know, gets the product and then pays for it later. And that is typically based even on an invoice, um, uh, and the concept of an invoice is, dates actually back to 5,000 BC. Uh, back then, right. it was on, on uh, right. written, typically on clay. Now, obviously, the format of the invoice is a little bit different. <laughs> Even in Germany now, we have electronic invoices. Um, but um, but the concept is still very much the same, right? So what we're doing really at first is we say, look, when businesses in they do that on their terms, how can we replicate that for the digital world? How can we create that for a checkout in a web shop? And it's actually not that simple, right? Because when you 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 grant somebody in their terms, you're actually handing out a small loan, right? Because that's you can you can pay something in 15 days or 30 days or 60 days, 90 days. So you want to be able to actually assess risk here as well, right? Um, and and that's what makes it actually more complicated than you would think uh, to replicate what actually is happening in the offline world in the, in the digital world. But that's really the first thing, right? So buy now, pay later in the B2B context is something that. Is actually already existing. You just, we were in the first step, really trying to bring this online.
1: And, and I assume that the market, looking at this kind of service, is growing given the financial climate right now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, because in the in in the end, um, I think you have high inflation, and that makes businesses who typically react act really rationally. Um, they they they're really appreciating uh, obviously a payment method that grants them net terms because uh, they can actually stock up yeah and actually have to pay for it later and uh, also in the buy now pay later product that we have uh, you know net thirty days uh, typically comes without interest um, and and so basically they don't have to you know pay for that small loan right and and that's obviously extremely extremely attractive and I think this is. Also something that we know really well from, from Latin America, you know, we were in, present in two con- countries that are very high inflation countries. So one is Brazil, was typically actually the, for many years the country with the highest interest rates, in the real interest rates in the world. Right. And in Argentina, for example, when we first started out, we first went into Argentina, I think in 2012, um, inflation rates were still very low with 25% annually. <laughs> And it went then up to hyperinflation of more than 70%, where you completely have to change your entire business. But one thing we we always saw is that instalment payments or you know paying something uh later um was always extremely attractive. And uh and I remember that really well. When we first uh started out with the Fiji in, in Brazil, we we I think we offered three instalments on the credit cards. And when we when that when we raised that to 12 times. Conversion rate actually more than doubled, yeah? so it's is extremely big driver for for business. Yeah? And in the B two B world, it's not nothing different because it's really uh, uh, businesses are acting rationally, and they would always take um, would take that.
1: Look, you've been here before. You're on 130 odd employees. We're not saying that necessarily this this business is going to go to three and a half thousand. I suppose you very different. You had warehouses. You had front. You know, different different model. Um, what do you think? As an entrepreneur, the key ingredient will be for you over the next twelve months
0: look i think um there are lots of things obviously that we need to that we need to build um, over the next over the next months i think we um, we strongly believe in the market opportunity we believe that it's still um it's there in in, in many markets uh, across Europe, but even uh, globally speaking. And at the same time, there are not that many businesses that are focusing on this um, on this on, on the binoculator for B2B space, right? Um, and that's why we believe it's it's sort of a um, it's, it's sort of green field. It's a it's sort of a land grab scenario, and we really want to move fast, execute quickly. And if it's one thing that we've learned also uh, in from our time in Latin America, is that Good execution is key, um, even in complex environments. Um, and uh, and what that boils down to is really, you know, have a great team, have really, really smart people that are committed, that think entrepreneurially um, um, and that really act, you know, I mentioned this now a few times, but act as entrepreneurs because entrepreneurs, what they do is they think for themselves and um, we don't have to, sort of tell them what they what they should do but rather we will would, we would figure this out together right and I think mm-hmm. this will be extremely important uh, over the next uh, over the next months we've obviously been able to um, prove a few things especially product market fit now uh, very early on this is this is always great when you when you find a new business um, uh, and 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 now it's really about execution and, uh, and and scaling the business across different geographies but also think about how we can improve customer value proposition through more features, but also through potentially more um, product propositions.
1: Well, look, it's, it's very exciting. Uh, it sounds like it is gathering momentum and only set to grow. So um, I want to really thank you for your time this morning, or this afternoon, rather, looking at when we're recording. Uh, <laughs> and also given that I know that at the time of recording, it's your Christmas party this evening. Have a great time.
0: Thank you very much. Very kind of you. It was a pleasure to be here. I, I,
1: I'd never really thought of buy now, pay later, um in the b2b sphere and then as soon as mod starts talking about well when businesses transact they do it with payment terms you kind of go oh yeah that that is buy now pay later i'd never really thought about payment terms in terms of 30 days 60 days 90 days um payment terms being a loan effectively
2: i hadn't really like you said there's a lot of kind of like um payment companies obviously like b2b B to C B to B, but there's not many sort of B to C. So um I think that in itself is quite sort of quite different. You don't sort of typically sort of see too much of that, do you really? Um but yeah, no, I, I think it's a good idea. Like obviously like you said, being framed as like a loan or like a repayment, I hadn't really again sort of taken that kind of sort of take on things. Um but yeah, I think it's it's yeah, sort of really unique what they're doing. And it definitely seems like it's sort of growing. I mean, he mentioned like a million and one different countries and places all over the shop where where we were sort of listing those off. So I think they're definitely sort of growing all over, which is um, I mean a sign of obviously it's kind of really successful, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, you, you're in a position where you're probably having to chase up with various different companies on who's paid what and whatever else, and it, it is it is a pain in the ass. The idea that B to B payments can be seamless, that payments can be joyful, it, it is difficult because in the B to C realm, you know, as consumers, everything's pretty easy these days. You know we have a great digital experience um and being able to replicate that for business transactions should be more straightforward and and you would have thought that someone would have already looked at this
2: yeah, and like you said, it's not typically in a word that you associate with payments, is it like joyful? Like I really no. like this I I I like that because it's like you said, it is a pain in the ass. You're having to follow up and taste on things. So the fact that they're trying to make this a more sort of seamless process and joyful, I yeah, I really like that.
1: What do you think about this idea of um the secret to, to Mondu's growth being that their their internal teams almost acting as entrepreneurs? Entrepreneurs think for themselves, they figure things out. I, I thought that was quite interesting. It was kind of uh you know giving people a lot of autonomy um across the organization and it you know the idea that you're kind of just leaving them to figure things out almost feels quite loose but at the same time it's a really mature approach
2: mm. yeah I really liked that part actually because I think I mean in every company I guess you have to have like really proactive individuals but especially in a company that's kind of at this sort of this stage that's growing like you don't have people that are just going to come in um sort of wait to be told what to do you know you need people that are going to be quite forward thinking and can help the business sort of scale up so yeah you're right it is quite loose some people might not enjoy that way of working because they want to be told what to do but I imagine the people that he wants to work for this business are going to be really forward thinking you know they like to kind of find solutions they're going to be sort of working things out for themselves and actually I, I imagine that sort of level of like freedom and creative license is probably why they've actually sort of scaled up quite quickly
1: Hmm. um yeah and it it goes hand in hand with this idea of building their culture in every country you know that question about oh different different cultures you know you've got latin america you've got europe that's got to be a challenge oh well you can build your country in every every your culture in every country it's about the founder setting the tone and hiring accordingly we often hear about leaders and founders setting the tone here you've got a real practical example of what that means and what it means for the business and then if that gives people the framework to be entrepreneurial and to to, to kind of be free thinking and therefore help grow the business then you can see how it how it leads to success
2: mm. yeah definitely because i think a lot of people will say that they will like that way of working because there's a lot of trust there isn't there for someone just to say mm. like you said i've set the tone this is what i kind of expect from you guys and then obviously like i said there's that freedom to go off and and sort of do it I think lots of people will say they like working in that way. I think you only get a handful of people that can actually sort of really effectively work in that way and you'll see results from them. Um, but yeah, I think the fact that he's obviously, you know, set the tone of the business and then he's got people who are sort of following suit and doing a good job. Of course, yeah, it, it sets a culture, it sets a precedent and yeah, people will probably appreciate the fact that they can be entrepreneurs. Like he said, there's entrepreneurs within individual teams. So it does give you that level of, you know, I'm in charge of my own work. Of course, there's still structure, there's still process, but actually I can do this in a way that I think is going to be good and, and is going to sort of um, give results. So, yeah, I like that idea. I think, you know, every team kind of has an element of that, but the fact that he's kind of like, you know, we, we've sort of fully work in that way, um, I imagine, again, that's why they've been really it's sort of effective and it's, it's sort of, it seems to work for them clearly
1: yeah absolutely look that'll do for part one we're going to take a very quick break we'll come back for part two uh when we do amber are there any companies which um you would go out to bat for or run through a wall for or any of those other kind of uh phrases any any organizations that you would really get behind have a quick think okay and we'll be back in a moment a couple of years ago michael and jacob two friends from london were both thinking about their consumption and sustainability as a whole Michael, a professional footballer at the time, realised he had no options when it came to sustainable sportswear. Overconsumption and underuse was all too common. Hilo was born, a sportswear brand fighting for the planet by changing mindsets. They've started with a running shoe made with seven natural materials, and the shoe can be recycled at the end of its life. As a company, they've offset their carbon to beyond zero, making them carbon negative. You can find out more about Hilo and support their mission at hiloathletics.com. That's H-Y-L-O. We support the Hilo movement. Any companies that you would go out to bat for?
2: Oh, this is pressure, Dave. Um... No, not off the top of my head.
1: It's pretty rare, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, the only one I can think of, maybe just because it's on my mind, is like Strava, just because I think they're great. But besides that, no, probably not.
1: I asked that, right, because we've got, um, in the second part of the show, we're going to be talking to Nicole Bayard, who is Head of Growth for Solo Funds. They're a community financing platform. Basically, what this product does is it lets anyone request a loan um, into a community of members, and then someone else within that community can choose to fund that person. So it's a it's a B2C financing platform, effectively, that is that is community driven. And then Solo put products around that um, to, to try and help people build their financial future. So there's no institution building capital. It's cut out that middleman immediately they've got about a 500 570 max i think on the platform and basically you decide if you tip the person that has lent you the money um typically their loans are approved through this community model within 15 minutes but what they are going for in terms of growth is the the the, the analogy that you're going to hear in in the in the uh, interview is nicole talking about etsy who make money when their sellers win and the impact that they make so she references etsy she also references airbnb as a community platform where users would and she uses the phrase go out to bat for them and it's interesting isn't it because there are one or two companies who have grown because the community of users really cherishes what they're able to offer their their the the people who 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 are invested in them
2: wait so can i just clarify so this is a like you said a platform and people can just give loans to other people. Have I got that? And then you can tip them if you choose to do so.
1: So so if you lend sorry, if you borrow the money, you can choose to tip the amount. So -hmm. instead of there being interest and whatever else. And yeah, as, as a lender you can decide to lend money to someone within that within that platform. And obviously the platform uh, has some structure around it to help protect people, but most Americans, and this is this is based in New York. This is a community pro- program uh, platform in New York. Uh, most Americans can't afford an a thousand dollar emergency, and as I say in the interview, I think. There's those same stats are very similar in the UK. I think I think something like 90% of the population doesn't have more than about £100 in their account at any one yeah. time or something. Maybe it's not that high, but it's an alarmingly high amount of people. Well, I've heard someone if, if, sort
2: of stacked that beforehand.
1: You know, if so a boiler breaks or something, they're basically up shit creek.
2: So they don't have to give like any kind of, I don't know, uh, like justification. They don't have to say like the money's for this, this, this. They could literally just put like, I need this amount. And then obviously if someone chooses to give it to them, it's like, that's
1: yeah it's 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 a novel it's a community um approach to it absolutely um that that is is very driven on the idea of of people helping each other Mm. so community finance
2: i love that i love that it literally doesn't even sound real i know that sounds really really stupid to say but i don't know i just don't think i've ever heard anything similar to that because typically like you say has to go through like a bank or you have to put some sort of like i don't know case or something together in order to be able to get that money but if you just if you need it and you want to go to this platform to try to obviously secure that and get that level of support, then and then there's not sort of a great deal else to it than that, then yeah, amazing
1: so earn money the the way they phrase it is earn money with your money and feel good about it so you should be able to earn money with your money with more control so solo makes it simple you lend money to other members to help them replace say a tire or a bill that's come up uh, a short-term need that they weren't aware of and then they pay you back and add a voluntary tip as sign of their appreciation
2: Mm, i love that
1: I mean, what it isn't is when my wife first tried to apply for a credit card when she was 16 or whatever, and she'd heard that someone at school had uh, gone and got a credit card and then she wanted to go for a night out, walked into the bank, and they said, well, why do you want credit? And she said, well, I want to go for a night out. (laughs) It's
2: not that. (laughs) At least she's just honest about it. At least she just said it how it was. (laughs) Not honest,
1: just naive.
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, true, actually.
1: (laughs) However old you have to be to get a credit card, maybe it's 18. I don't know. I can't remember now. But yes, there we are. Oh, um yes so we'll hand over to the interview with nicole uh but before i do that just to say amber thanks for joining us and we'll be back next week
3: thanks dave
1: so i'm chatting to nicole uh nicole from solo how are you today
3: i'm doing really well how are you david yeah
1: not too bad solo funds s-o capital l-o yep solo so, yes
3: solo yeah. so, 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 so
1: why this amalgamation of so and low with a
3: capital l Um, So SOLO stands for social loans, Hmm. and it really is the basis of our business model. Um, You know, SOLO is a community finance platform um, where people can access emergency funds if they need it, um, but also our members can access a return. And they do that because um, they come together around what we call social loans. Um, And this really is anyone can request a loan on the platform. Um, and then someone else will fund them
1: so as head of growth i I looking at, at your LinkedIn profile, it's kind of in my head I'm thinking that you're going to companies looking to to begin their their, their growth journey, their scale up, their startups, but there you're describing what sounds like individuals. And maybe not B2B, but maybe B2C. Just, just, it would be great to kind of understand the demographics and the customers and, and yeah. who you're trying to help with social loans. And I know that you, you gave a bit of an insight there, but just to kind of dig down on that.
3: No, thanks. Um, we are a B2C company. Right. Um, and everything we do is powered by our community members. So when you think about it, what we're doing is, or what we've done is, we've created a marketplace where people can borrow and lend from each other. And now what we're doing is building an ecosystem of financial services around that, um, which, you know, we've coined this term community finance, um, is really this idea that um, the through the community, we can better serve people, um, mm. both in accessing money when they need it, and also in creating products that give them a return and help them you know, build their financial future. So it's all consumer focused. Um, And we've cut out the middleman. There's no institution that's giving capital. So even um, the capital and the profits are going back to people.
1: So as head of growth, what do you do specifically for the organization?
3: As head of growth, my responsibility and my team's responsibility is to grow our consumer base, our revenue, and our business model. Mm-hmm. And that might sound really broad. <laughs> it is. And the reason for that is because at this stage of our company, um, we're really a utilitarian team, um, and we work on projects that kind of serve um, the biggest need of the company in order to drive growth. Mm-hmm. You know, this summer that looked like uh, launching a white label app. It was our first white label app for um, one of our media partners, um, where we've brought now community lending to a whole other network and and, um, community. Um, Right now, that looks like uh, working on initiatives to impact conversion, helping more people come through our funnel. Um, And, you know, we're working on product marketing and go-to-market plans for our new products. So we really are a utilitarian team whose north star is how can we help the company grow?
1: Yeah. I would imagine right now, look, I I am not obviously anywhere near as familiar with the economic outlook in the U.S. as the U.K., although I am aware that inflation was on some voters' minds in in the U.S. midterms recently, that the economy is, like many countries around the world right now, a concern. I would imagine, therefore, that a platform where you're cutting out the middleman and community finance is at the heart of what you do would would resonate well with people and be something that they're looking for.
3: We find that it has. Um, And, you know, very unfortunately, um, people have gone through a really difficult time in the past few years. And I think that it's underlined, um, unmet needs. You know, the folks who we serve are people who aren't served well by traditional finance. Hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, that's on both sides of the platform. There just aren't options. And most Americans um, can't afford a $1,000 emergency, you know, so many Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. And this isn't just a problem in the States. Mm. Um, you know, we we see it abroad as well.
1: Yeah, I, I'm sure that the UK has very similar stats yeah. around savings. Yeah. So uh, how, how does it how does it work? A, 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 a consumer approaches the organization. And, and what's the process? What does it look like in terms of figuring out how you can help someone?
3: It's actually a really easy process. Um, we have an app um and so we're in our members pockets you can download the app right now <laughs> um and um, um well you don't have a u.s bank account so you can't actually borrow land but if you, if you were did, in the states or yes, had a u.s bank account yeah,
1: yeah um
3: you could download the app right now and request a loan a- and as the borrower actually you'd set all of the terms you'd decide how much you'd want to borrow um, and we have people borrowing up to $575. That's kind of our max um, on the platform today. Um, you decide when you'll pay that loan back, and you will you decide if you want to tip your lender, which is totally optional. Um, and then someone else, um, also on the same app, um, will find your loan and decide whether or not to, to fund it. And so, you know, our, our app is really a marketplace of, um, requests from people that um, others are able to to review and select um, and fund themselves. And we use direct debit. Um, uh, we use debit rails. I mean, so um, uh, the transactions are actually really, really quick. Um, typically, people get funded in a matter of less than 15 minutes. So to put that in context for you, what that means is... Um, you know, let's say my car breaks down, right? I call a tow truck and realize, oh man, I don't have enough in my account to pay for this. Mm. Well, I can pull out my phone, request a loan on solo, and before the tow even gets there, I have the money in my account. I mean, that's powerful.
1: Sorry, and this might be a, a UK to, to US lost in, lost in tra- transit uh, across the Atlantic, but when you say debit rails...
3: Um, what I mean by that is um, uh, the the flow of funds like the movement of money is instantaneous. Yeah, yeah. so we're using debit rails, meaning um, someone inputs their debit card information mm-hmm. um, when they sign up um, and when they get funded, the funds go to their to to their account through their debit card. So they're not waiting two or three days like they'd have to wait if we were paying by ACH
1: right. so I think that. That is uh, an interesting insight, I suppose, into the American market. And I've often heard that yeah. fintech... I mean, you, you have experience of the UK fintech market, that fintechs are perhaps slightly ahead in Europe than they are in the US with, well, the, with some of payment those problems. The system in Europe is so different. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Now, look, you, you mentioned a bit about your North Star. You also said before you hit record that winning whilst whilst impact is your North Star. And this is an interesting point because... On one side, you might look at what you're doing and go, oh, that's very utilitarian. Um, you're helping people. You're, you're, you're not trying to, to take advantage, which is obviously always the concern when there's a, yeah. a short-term financial fix for, for those particular crisis points that someone's going to be whacked with a huge interest rate or something along those lines. Yeah. Um, how do you balance the two? How do you make sure that you are still, as a business, winning whilst delivering on that social uh, enterprise angle?
3: That's been so important to me personally and was um, one of the reasons that I joined Solo. Um, You know, I hear uh, companies talk about impact, Mm. right? But when you look at their bottom line, um, uh, impact doesn't really have anything to do with their business model. Um, At Solo, what we're doing is um, we are um, serving people. Um, and the financial products that we're creating, we're creating because we see a real need for them. And quite frankly, traditional financial institutions have just neglected these. I mean, you can't borrow a hundred bucks from your bank; it's not going to happen. <laughs> um, um, you know, for for me, when I think about the potential of technology in the future. Um, I think that impact and innovation can be um, such a magical mix and also such an important mix because when you really think about the products that um, um, succeed the most, they're the products that are creating real value for people. Um, You know, at Solo, our users are our North Star um, and... The mission is incredibly important, and we have built the business around being able to make that happen, right? So, um, you know, this is very similar to um, what I see with companies like Etsy, where um, Etsy uh, Etsy's business model is actually based on the impact that they want to have, and Etsy, um, you know, makes its money when their sellers win. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, at Solo, we last year got um, our B Corp certification, which was huge for us. We went through this really long process um, where a third party, B Labs, actually took a look at our business and determined whether we were having a positive impact. Um, And we're really, really proud of that. Um, It's something that we uh, will continue to strive for.
1: And you mentioned Etsy there. I'd yeah. see are one of a number of companies who really have harnessed the power of community to help grow. From a marketing standpoint, obviously that's not something that every company gets right. What, what do you think the opportunities and potential challenges are from that? Where do companies tend to fall down?
3: So many companies want to grow through community and try to grow through community. And very few are actually able to tap into their community to do so. Who's been able to do that? Etsy has been able to do that. Airbnb has been able to do that. Um, I see it happening at Solo. That's another one of the reasons that I joined the company. Um, And there's real power in that. I think a company is really only able to do that again when they're creating some very real value for the user, so much so that users are willing to go to bat for them, right, and go out and tell their friends, hey, you've got to try this, Um, Yeah.
1: So look, um, we are in interesting economic times at the moment. Just, you know, as someone who's worked for for companies both in Europe and in the US, who's worked um, for some of those organizations that we've mentioned there previously and and now working kind of in finance. What gives you optimism that technology can solve some of the challenges that we're faced with as a society?
3: Mm -hmm. The tech sector is at a really pivotal moment. Um, And I mean, I think that you can say uh, business in general is at a really pivotal moment. Um, But the tech sector in particular is at a really pivotal moment where um, companies are being challenged to grow while also doing so in a sustainable way and in a responsible way. And in order to, to do that truly, Um, this actually also comes back to, in order to do that truly, you really do have to create real value for users. And so for me, what is optimistic about um, technology is that um, I think it enables companies to do that at a far faster pace and in a more accessible way than ever before. Um, I also think that there's a lot of opportunity for tech companies to uh, uh, focus very, very clearly right, on what that value is um, and on creating more of it and what they're building.
1: Look, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you
3: today. Um, Thank you, David. It's been a pleasure to talk to you too.
1: It's one of those products that I suppose I'm grateful that it exists in a perfect world it kind of wouldn't. In a perfect world, it wouldn't exist. But it's not a perfect world. And therefore, if you can help people, then that's wonderful.
3: Thank you. Um, We're really proud of what we're building. Um, And it's been a pleasure to talk to you, too.